Welcome to episode 14 of the Green and Healthy Places podcast, in which we explore the themes of wellness and sustainability in real estate and hospitality. I'm your host, Matt Morley, founder of BioBlue Sustainability, Biophilico Wellness Interiors, and Biofit Nature Gyms. Today, I'm with Lee Chapman, founder of Yinshi, a workplace wellness startup focused on facilitating meditation at work. His business model is both hardware and software, providing physical meditation pods that offer a safe haven for an office worker to escape for a little quiet time, as well as a suite of services to facilitate and encourage greater acceptance and understanding of the value meditation can bring to the workday. We discuss the pros and cons of open plan offices on mental health, the benefits of biophilic design, one of my favorite topics, micro-napping at work, what he calls the six whys of meditation, and how mindfulness is linked to productivity, and his views on the human-centric office post-COVID. It's an interesting conversation. He's a super bright guy with big plans to make an impact on the workplace in London. If you like this type of content, please consider subscribing. And you can, of course, find Lee at Yinshi. That's Y-I-N-S-H-I dot co dot UK. And I'm at mattmorley.net. So nada más. Here's my conversation with company founder Lee Chapman. Lee, thanks for joining us. I'm excited to talk to you today. I'm really keen to hear more about your your new business, Yinshi. So perhaps you could give a quick intro to what you're doing and the products that you currently have on the market. Hi, Matt. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much for having me today. Really excited to talk to you. Um, so yeah, just give you a quick quick overview. Um, Yinshi is a, um, a product service solution, um, all sorts of different things. Um, which is primarily uh, born out of the need to um, combat the issues that we've got with stress and mental health in in society in general today, which costs the UK economy up to 45 billion a year. Um, And obviously that's a societal wide problem, but we look specifically at workspaces um, and how we can improve and help contribute to, to better workspaces. Um, and, and part of that is about the appropriate spaces or having the appropriate spaces for physical uh, mental health. Um, and in particular, um, we are really passionate advocates, advocates of meditation. Um, and that comes from, from my backstory. I won't go into it too um, deeply, uh, but I found meditation at a, a time when I was suffering from stress quite badly uh, at work, difficult point in my life. Um, and it helped so profoundly. You know, I can't um, begin to sort of tell you. Hopefully, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but the problem that I had was that I couldn't find space to do it every day. And in actual fact, at the time, I was doing a type of meditation which required you to practice twice a day. So if you couldn't find a space to do it in the morning, then um, you know it was even harder to find a space later in the day because offices just well, most offices just aren't cut out or designed to to have that type of space for for mental wellness. And I had the typical problem where I would find myself in the toilets once a day, trying to find some kind of peace and someone in the cubicle next to me trying their best to, to not let me find some peace. 
Um, and one day I just had a bit of a, a spark, a light bulb, and just thought there's got to be a better way of doing this, really. So that's where the idea was born. And we, um, our, our main products are uh, meditation pods that provide a quiet, um, peaceful, um, private, secure space for, for people to, to meditate in their own time. And we, I suppose we're kind of retrofitting these spaces into offices because it would be great, wouldn't it, if they were designed in that way in the first place and those kind of aspects of well-being were well thought about and integrated into the design process. They are obviously starting to be, which is great. And some offices do have areas for, for meditation, but not many. And actually those areas that they do have sometimes aren't ideal because a lot of people um, have a, self, a sense of self-consciousness that they can't get over and end up don't using those spaces at all. So our spaces are a little bit more private than that. Um, so yeah, we're kind of retrofitting these spaces into offices really and uh, and trying to make a meaningful contribution to, to people's mental health and, and stress levels while they're at work. Okay, so a couple of things you, you mentioned there that I thought were, were worth picking up on. Clearly the subtext to that is that the shift towards more open plan offices one of the side effects of that has been that there is effectively a limit to the number of spaces or options available to someone where they can have a private moment where they can yeah just just pull away from from the hubbub um, and I think that's the challenge or that has become the challenge more recently around workplace wellness and, and particularly around design and layout for a lot of sort of the big corporates is is how you balance that that sort of um, yeah, free flowing movement, hot hot desks and what have you, but also creating enough areas of of privacy. So clearly, in a way, you're responding to that because there there are fewer people in their own private offices now than there were, say, twenty years ago, right? So in a sense, it's a response mm. to that or a solution to that problem. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's there's a lot been said about open open plan offices, hasn't there? Um, it's a real marmite kind of area. Some people love them, some people some people hate them. And you're right, there's so much good about them. You know, like you talk about things like collaboration, um, you know, creativity, ideas that are sparked through random encounters, that kind of stuff. But you know, there is the the flip side as well, in that they aren't good for everyone's mental health. I don't think they don't suit every type of personality. I don't know if you listen to Bruce Daisley at all. Um, he's an ex-VP of uh, Twitter in the UK and he does a lot of stuff around um, working environments um, and that's become his kind of thing now. He's really interesting. You know, <laughs> he, he came out with quite an amusing comment on one of his podcasts um, recently, which was that um, open plan offices are the, are the best way to get everyone in the company to absolutely hate each other very quickly you know, because there, there's so many things that really wind people up about those spaces. You know, you could be sitting next to someone and, you know, you don't get any work done for an hour because all they want to talk about is, you know, what happened in, um, you know, the, uh, the, the Queen's Gambit last last night or something like that. So it, they don't suit absolutely everyone. I think um, there is an acknowledgement of that now. I think people are starting to question that. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see how the workplace evolves, I think, when we go back um, post-COVID and all the challenges that that's obviously going to throw up. And it'll be really interesting to see how people start to re-examine those a lot more when they're thinking about office design and what's really sort of best for our um, productivity and mental health at the same time. So even before uh, COVID, uh, this was a um, year and a half, two years ago, I was involved in a 
in a sort of biophilic design consultancy project for a big corporate in Switzerland, just outside Zurich. In fact, they do natural foods and uh, they're all in, they were completely into this whole space, but they had a big, big issue with their, their headquarter building around acoustics. And it was, it got right to the top of the tree in that the, the global HR director um, was was really pushing hard to try and address the the problems around acoustic sound levels, background noise, and it had got to the point whereby you know we needed to take sort of quite drastic measures. We created sort of acoustic panels all over the place, acoustic paints, acoustic underlays for the carpets, all kinds of things, and and in, in fact we ended up with a what we called a wellness room, which was effectively a, a mini space dedicated to to yeah, just kind of chilling out in a sense. So clearly that's something that's that we're seeing emerging on the market. But to describe your your pods a bit more in detail then, like this is a space that you sort of you literally walk into and in a way cut yourself off, right? And you have that quiet moment in a dedicated space by yourself. Whereas a wellness room, you know, might be other people in there in silence or not, but then in one of your pods it really is a, a sort of a personal moment, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we're not saying by any means that wellness rooms are are, are not a good idea. Um, they, of course, are um, and I'm totally you know, open for, you know, people to, to use those and, and, and harness them in the way that works for their mental health in the best way. But, you know, a lot of people, it doesn't work. Like I said before, um, there's just too much of a sense of self-security for them to, to go in there and really properly relax and switch off so so our um, environments are, and our pods are designed to be a little bit more private um they're they're a little hard to describe verbally i'd say to anyone probably best to go to our website if you just google yinshi um you'll find that quite easily and you'll be able to see them there's two two pods that we've designed um the, the work pod one is a kind of a open circular spiral design um, it's made with birch plywood, um, which we um, chose for its kind of calming natural materials um, uh, and colours, um, as well as it kind of feeling quite restorative as well. And it's a biomimetic design, which is inspired by the golden ratio, which I'm sure you've heard of before, which is a really calming sort of spiral pattern found throughout nature from galaxies down to plants and, and the way they kind of pattern out and spiral. Um, and entering the pod is really, you know, a bit of a journey, I suppose we were trying to create. Um, it's like sort of what we wanted to do was to really feel like you were stepping out of your current environment into a different one, one that was more instantly more relaxing and you could straight away just feel a little bit more ease and, and breathe more easily. Um, and we supply sort of noise cancelling headphones as well, uh, really comfortable noise reducing um, headphones uh, that come with guided meditations as well as sleep enhancing audio because we believe in sort of micro napping as well. There's lots of studies that that back that up as a as a really useful tool as well. Okay, so yeah, I was going to ask about that because it's it's I've seen you know, there's some interesting stuff coming out around lactation uh, pods or lactation rooms for for young mums who who bring their kids to school. Uh, <laughs> Who can't their kids don't go to school, so they bring their kid into the or their baby into the office, um, and then obviously you know in parallel with that, yeah, sleeping pods um, or giving staff within the office permission to have let's say a power nap during the day, um, and then so in a sense I, I can see how the your pods would would really fit into that. So a lot of it then clearly is about having or f- sensing that there is permission to do this right and so how do you how do you pitch the 
mean, obviously around sleep and and the sort of the twenty to thirty minute power nap. There's there's lots of research around that. When you when you talk about meditation um, in terms of its benefits for restoring concentration levels, or, or you know, what are, what are the the touch points that you tend to fall back on when you're when you're talking about specifically uh, meditation as opposed to know, going outside for a walk or having a coffee or or whatever else someone might do to try and relax at some point, say mid-afternoon when they have that energy dip? Hmm. Yeah, good question. Um, it's a bit hard to know where to start the story on this one sometimes because you can come in at very different points and different angles. But um, I think everyone has probably heard the sort of anecdote about the amygdala, right? The, the part of our brain, which is a reptilian brain, which, yeah, kind of you know, is responsible for our fight or flight responses. Um, and, and works by activating cortisol in our system for when we do need that fight or flight um, response. And it, it was kind of designed for us to, you know, fend off woolly mammoths rather than actually um, deal with having 152 unopened emails in our inbox. And that's kind of what it's doing at the moment right, to us. And we're, we're working ridiculously crazy hours, a lot of us, um, under high pressure, stressful jobs and cortisol is um, just bad for us in so many different ways you know it's been shown to increase anxiety depression have um, physiological issues digestive problems um, headaches heart disease sleep problems lots and lots of different um, health issues that that's attributed to but the good news story in all this is that we can change all that you know in, in terms of how we actually change the neuroplasticity of our brains to rewire them to react differently to external pressures that we face on a day-to-day basis. And meditation is one of the ways that you can do that. Um, And we talk about when I actually go into companies and um, try and launch the pod and embed meditation as a practice, we talk about the six whys of meditation. Um, And they are reduces stress, uh, improves attention and creativity, the fact that it's a foundational wellbeing practice, Um, The fact that successful people are doing it, which I'll come on to a bit more in a second. The fact that it's great for relationships. And also the last one, which is a little bit tongue in cheek, but you look younger, which I'll come on to (laughs) in a bit more detail in a second. Um, The reduced stress one is kind of linked to what I just said um, about cortisol. Um, And there's there's all sorts of studies that have been shown um, that just one week of 20 minutes a day uh, of meditation leads to a significantly slower response in our amygdala during meditation, which is kind of interesting in its own right. But actually, when you look at other studies that went a bit further, they showed that eight weeks led to the same effect uh, during a baseline state. So not just when you were during meditation, um, but slower uh, amygdala response um, uh, rates when you're actually just in normal day-to-day um, level of consciousness. Um, and then the second one I mentioned was about improves creativity and attention. And there's studies on that as well that show free 10-minute sessions of breath counting was enough to appreciably increase attention skills in a control group. Um, and then other studies um, around open monitoring meditation, which is kind of like body scan meditation. Um, and that was shown to stimulate divergent thinking, which is a really key driver of um, creativity, which is the type of thinking we use in brainstorms and coming up to, to business solutions. Um, the third was a foundational well-being practice. So meditation doesn't just help with, you know, being good at meditation in itself and, and, and the other um, 
aspects that I've mentioned already. It helps with all aspects of, of life. You know, you look at the different spheres of wellness, you know, it's not just kind of spiritual, emotional, psychological, but you've got um, physical, environmental, um, financial, occupational, social. And this is one of the biggest things for me about meditation um, because it has a true, you know, a positive feedback um, loop effects on all these different areas. You know, once you start meditating, uh, you tend to have better decision making, better intuition, and that creates a bit of a domino effect across these different areas. So when you're making better decisions, um, you, you start to eat more healthily. When you're eating more healthily, you do more exercise. When you do more exercise, you sleep better, and so on and so on. And all these areas tend to have like a compound um, feedback effect, which which just gets better and better in all the different areas. And I think this is really critical for businesses because one of those areas is, is relationships. And what meditation tends to do is it just puts that slight barrier between the thought and the action sometimes. So rather than getting blown around, you know, in the, in the winds of your emotions and thoughts, it just gives you that extra second sometimes to be aware that actually this is an emotion that I can be detached from, I can observe it, I can decide how to react to this. And I only wish I had discovered this earlier on in my life and, and avoided some of the confrontations that I've unnecessarily had at work, I think. So I think just about building better relationships and um, a more harmonious kind of work environment, I think it's really, really helpful. For yeah, that. there's. I think there's a lot in that. I really do. You know, I, I've, I've come to think of my modest meditation practice of, you know, 20 minutes a day as really the, the other side of the coin of, of an ongoing, um, yeah, essentially sort of therapy. Um, you know, they, they, the, the two really do go together, working on understanding your own triggers and your own, yeah, the baggage that we're all carrying around with us. Um, I think in a way, you know, there's just so much being put out there right now around the benefits of, of, uh, of mindfulness, the benefits of meditation that, yeah, I think there's a good, good chance you can sort of ride that wave you mentioned silicon valley and a lot of those big tech companies are are the innovators you know they're the first on board when it comes to biophilic design they're the first on board when it comes to workplace wellness and they're, they're really leading the way so no doubt you know it will be a it will be a very interesting pitch to be in on when you when you get in front of someone at amazon or facebook for example if they get your pods in there but thinking sort of slightly more of a wider market you know into sort of yeah, london's corporate world of legal offices and insurers and so on, or even banking offices. How would you how would you imagine if there was, say, a, a well-being champion within that business who was able to at least get you, um, you know, an introduction in there? And then obviously the questions start coming up around, well, you know, how do we, how do we know? How do we monitor its use? Or how do we know beyond someone sitting there all day watching to see how many people are going in or coming out, how long people spend? How could you um, collect some kind of data to corroborate or at least show that it's being um, yeah, well adopted by, by the staff on that particular floor or within that building? Yeah, it's a really crucial point, Matt, and something that I've thought about a lot from the start of this and how we bake that into, into the offering. So I don't think enough companies are tracking this in terms of the wellness space. Um, and the industry does sort of get let down by that, I think. Um, and, and some people do have a slightly skeptical view of, of some of the um, you know, wellness offerings as a, as a result. And I think really important for internal stakeholders, obviously, to have that justification. And 
take people on the on, on the journey with them and, and have that story and um, you know um, data to sort of back up that yes this is working it's providing us some some return on investment and some value um, you know when we um, install the the pod we make sure it's got a booking calendar set up with it so we can tell occupancy rates um, and who's uh, using it so repeat usage um, and who we need to kind of market it or, or make um, the awareness of it more known to um, who, who aren't using it currently um, and then you know obviously qualitative um, measures uh, like employee feedback are, are really useful as well you know the anecdotal uh, measurements such as um, you know people's performance who are using it um, like you know, self-assessment in terms of their well-being um, and then also, you know, we do offer to sort of help advise on more, I suppose, larger scale testing to assess the, the effectiveness of it as well, um, which isn't always possible for some companies. But there's some amazing studies out there at the moment. You know, there was a famous one in the US by insurance company Aetna, who showed that their um, introduction of a mindfulness um, program led to an extra $3,000 a year in productivity from their from their teams, you know, so there, so there are also large scale testing programs that you can put in place um, to, to measure that. Um, and also, you know, we'll be looking at stuff like healthcare costs, you know, the, the, the reduced amount of claims that they see as a result of that, as this is a preventative um, a medicine, really. Um, and then, you know, reduced rates of um, absenteeism, presenteeism, things like staff turnover. Yeah, there's all, all kind of sorts of things that you can measure. It depends how how sort of deep they want to go, really. Yeah, that makes sense. And you know, to be fair, I'm putting you on the spot there, but the reality is, from the from the owner or developer or from the corporate uh, side, uh, you know, clearly there is no one answer to these problems. It's it's a it's a case of creating a, a nurturing environment that, that fosters productivity and creativity and positive relationships. And there is no a magic bullet for that. It's it's about putting a number of strategies in place, of which um, I'm fully convinced that meditation can and should have a seat at the table for sure. I'm just wondering, you know, clearly we're we're discussing this within the context of uh, a global pandemic uh, that looks like it's going to have uh, an impact, a lasting impact on the return to work, but not just that in terms of also, you know, how we how we use offices in future. I'm wondering how you've had to adapt your business strategy over the last year or how you and indeed how you see things over the next year, because it, it, it could well be that you get a sort of slingshot effect off the back of all of this, right, with an increased uh, interest on the half of on behalf of businesses in in creating you know, innovative, interesting and engaging workspaces, right, where you know, meditation could be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, yeah, it's an incredibly interesting time. Like you say, you know, I think there's a, a short to medium term change um, and then a long term change as well. Uh, I wrote a, a blog post recently actually around um, this exact topic actually called human centric offices. Um, you know, it's, it looks undoubtable that we're going to be going back to a sort of more hybrid approach. You know, I think the, the stats have been coming out overwhelmingly in favour of that. I think there was a YouGov survey recently which showed, I think, four in ten people, um, you know, uh, want to don't want to sort of carry on in the same way as it was before. So there's some, there's some really compelling reasons for, for, for going back to the office, but also some compelling reasons for, for how we can sort of carry on all the goodness that you know, we, we've got from this remote working experience um because i think you know this it works for more 
experience sort of staff you know um, this remote working but we've got to remember that there's there's a whole swathe of people coming into work at the moment who are missing out on that sort of face-to-face collaboration um the relationships you know we spoke about you know you know being able to solve complex problems the ease of conversation you know not dropping out halfway through because of bad wi-fi all that kind of stuff so there's lots of good reasons for getting people back to the office but i think we need to kind of you know convince people a little bit you know there's so many people who are kind of you know, resistant to that at the moment um so i think there's a short to medium term job to to do that and part of that is um making sure mental health is put as a, as a key priority um obviously there's there's all sorts of kind of measures that we can put in place to that and i think there was a um, study done by the prince's trust youth index recently that showed um you know, one in four people have been unable to to cope during the the, the pandemic and um, there's obviously huge mental health issues that, that are going to have to be addressed. So mental health really needs to be put top of the agenda and enticing people back, making them feel comfortable about coming back to work or the safety measures that, that obviously have to be put in place as part of that are also critical. But I think looking at sort of more medium to long term, really this idea about, and it's something we've been seeing obviously already, but I think it's only going to accelerate this idea about the office being a, uh, a destination um, and somewhere we really kind of want to actually go into and we see some value in it and we see, um, you know, some, some positive kind of mental health benefits from it at the same time. And this idea about kind of premiumizing the office, similarly, I think the two sort of go hand in hand and all the, all the subjects that obviously, you know, are close to your heart, like biophilic design are going to be really crucial here, but, you know, other stuff like, you know, almost like ideas like making the, the office like more of a, you know, uh, art gallery you know making it interactive making it more experiential making it very shareable you know i think there's going to be a huge talent flight to, to companies that really get that right um and clearly you know we're not going to need quite as much space as we did before um in the medium to, to long term um because of this new balance between working in the office and working at home so i think there's a real opportunity and i think people are starting to to really sort of cotton on to that uh, and hopefully, yeah, we can we can be part of the the, the solution for for people that want to to be involved in that as well. Another trend that you're you're nicely positioned to to fit in with, I think, is around the shift to uh, environmental, social, and governance, so ESG oriented policies at the real estate developer and and an owner, um, say landlord level. Uh, there's there's details in there now with the latest ESG um, guidelines, um, particularly around mental health and the idea of there being a a mental health officer. So someone who's done a a modest piece of training around, um, yeah, understanding how to help someone who, if there isn't a full HR department available, at least there's someone there who's kind of the dedicated go-to person that you you can talk to. And I think, you know, these systems i know i've mentioned it to you offline previously around um, the kind of green building and healthy building certification systems for sure are are a way to in a sense kind of encourage the industry to to move in in the right direction so that then leads me on to the idea of the green buildings and and sort of uh, the materials and you mentioned briefly how you're you're producing all the materials that you're using uh, for the pods in terms of like the manufacturing process itself like Talk to us just briefly about how you've you've gone about that because, you know, effectively it, it is a product. Um, are, are you manufacturing in the UK? Are you manufacturing abroad and importing? Like, what's the, what's your current setup in that in that sense? 
Yeah, we UK manufacturing at the moment. Um, it was it was tempting to go down the road of Far East or Eastern Europe because obviously the the, the, the value is is extraordinary. But we really wanted to keep um, you know our carbon footprint to a minimum, so we decided to to sort of take a bit of a hit on that and, and produce in the UK and keep it as local as possible. Um, in terms of the materials that we use, uh, the main material in the pod number one is birch ply. Um, we chose that because it's a really fast growing species of tree, so it's relatively um, easy to, to replace. Um, uh, the wood wastage of, of plywood um, during the manufacturing process is also significantly less when compared with traditional lumber practices, and it also tends to be much more durable as well, so it tends to last longer. Um, we use walnut veneer in, in, the, in the pod number two, um, and obviously that has also got some good eco um, sustainability creds. In fact, the veneer is a very low wastage, um, you know, option for, for wood. Um, so yeah, there, there are main kind of, um, you know, ways that we're trying to help sustainability in terms of the, um, uh, the materials that we, that we use, but we also, um, you know, donate to the world land trust as well for every pod that's sold. Um, um, and, and I think generally just maybe, you know, slightly less tangibly but you know i really do passionately believe that meditation helps to to raise people's consciousness generally you know it puts more community on things like so it puts more emphasis on things like community um and, and looking out for each other uh, and the world and i think that has to be good for sustainability as a whole you know um you talk about sort of creating a greener and happier planet i think we need to create a greener and happier mind if that can be such a thing um, and, and really, we're passionate about exposing more people to, to how meditation can, can really help um, open their mind and, uh, and be more aware of um, sustainability and, uh, and the decisions that we make and how they impact everything else. Yeah, it's, it's definitely you know, very closely aligned with that, the idea of yeah, the people and planet um, and community, as, as you mentioned. I think that's increasingly becoming um, a bit more than just a buzzword. A lot of the, the green building certifications are shifting in that direction now in, in response to events over the last 12 months. Just to sort of wrap things up, if, if you could send, if there was one message, if there's this one piece of, of content that you, you, you want to get out to the corporate workplace community or to people uh, considering how to uh, adapt or adjust their, their workplace environment going back in after um, yeah, a year or perhaps more, um, of working from home, like what's the what's the one thought that really is driving everything you're doing that you'd sort of put up on a on a billboard? Well, the, the, I mentioned the, an article that I, I recently wrote. It's on our website called Human Centric Design. I'd, I'd urge people to to go there and have a read. This is a very practical um, guide, or my take on a, on what the guide is for for managing that. Um, transition for us back into the workspace but I think if it's something on a billboard I'd maybe say um, just really urge people to to consider in making space for meditation in their business as the benefits are transformative mm. um, you know your your teams could be so much happier more productive resilient creative collaborative cooperative and just all around nicer to each other um, and that stuff is viral you know it spreads um, and it creates um, economic as, as well as um, societal and psychological benefits Lee, best of luck man i, I think it's uh, you're on to something I, I wish you every success over the coming years 
Thank you very much, Matt. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for having me.